Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com. Welcome to Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya and if you are joining us for the first time, it's a humdinger of a day to be a part of this wild conversation about some wild times that haven't really ended. Uh, They've calmed down, but yeah. So, and if you're a return leaver, welcome back. This is a jam-packed, fun-filled episode, I tell you, with some names dropped and some stories told. Last week, we were with Gail and Nate. Gail is a Canadian, and she says a boat and stuff is really good. She does it in this episode. And Nate is a native New Yorker. And they both come from evangelical backgrounds. If you haven't listened to part one of A Strong Buff Jesus, you are... You'll really enjoy it. Make sure you do that. If you can't be bothered, I'll just give you a recap. So these guys have eventually met after many years of duking it out with the evangelical powers that be, which kind of end up being ourselves. We left off last time with asking Nate if there were any of the big names. And yeah, he really did see some things in New York, which of course eventually became the East Coast campus. So you can look forward to some flying punches at Carl, at uh, some of the other big names going around. But overall, you know, we're looking at a culture and Nate does such a fantastic job of describing the culture and the power 
and the ruthlessness of the organisation known as Hillsong by individuals and within the culture itself. So thank you for joining us. Again, it's a longer episode, but I just keep going, this part's good. Oh, yeah, okay, no, I mean, well. So, you know, there's just so much good stuff. I hope you really enjoy A Strong Buff Jesus, part two, with Nate and Gail. And, you know, if there were any, you know, specific slides that the pastor wanted the video team to put up on the screen, all of that stuff. And we would, we would have that little meeting because, you know, God forbid the pastor actually goes and talks to a a video switcher himself. So, I Um, mean, if we're talking the big names here, are you rubbing shoulders with the big boys at this point? Is that? Uh, I mean, it's not the big, big boys. I mean, like the <laughs> the, you know, the, Paul, you the know guys I mean? who like, fathom so, themselves to be big, big boys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they all do. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> guys like like Josh Kimes was was a was a, a regular occurrence at these meetings. Uh, Matt Barges was there a lot. You know, Matt and Lindsay. I, I Matt and Lindsay. I worked with a lot. I had to deal with with their toxicity in so many ways. But particularly Matt, one of my good friends, had had to deal with Lindsay more. But Matt was was somebody that I just I I struggled with on a on a very regular basis. I had a, a run in with him where basically a, a Wednesday an exchange service a Wednesday evening service did not go well. He basically technology was, was bugging out uh, on him, yeah. and Nate was was and I was, I was the buck. The, I was the producer that night, and Matt was like, you know that that whole thing was a shit show, and you wait um, wait he actually used the word shit yeah, show he did. to he, describe he called, what you yeah he, all the work you put in yeah he called it a shit show, and, and honestly it's like wow. it's a Wednesday. And I work a nine work, to five. I worked you? I left work early. Wow. And although I'm sorry, I didn't leave work. Sorry, that that time I didn't leave work early because I was stuck at work. So I ended up showing up later than than my normal call time, which was still like an hour before the service started. But the the production team had already gone through the process of setting things up and, and things weren't exactly the way they were supposed to be, which was causing a lot of technical issues. We were running late, so we had to open doors and we had to just do what we could. But things, the service just wasn't running the way it should. Mics weren't working properly and we had to, it was, it was like flying by the seat of our pants kind of thing. So he we, said it was a shit show? Yeah, he called a debrief of the team leads and then he like singled me out. He was like, that thing was a shit show. Everybody was to blame, but you know, production just, that was, but yeah, it was, it was really, you know, it was production. But was you, the Nate. Issue. Yeah, and then he goes, he looks at me, he goes, Nate, you, you didn't, you didn't set me up for a win. <laughs> for a win? Like it's a baseball game in here. Yeah. 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 Um, a horse race. See, there's so much gambling in this culture as well, so much risk taking. It's interesting that influence as well. Wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I dealt dealt with Matt. You know his his toxicity on a, on a pretty regular basis. Josh Kimes had very few run-ins with him, but as far as that kind of thing goes, but I saw him regularly. I met with him very regularly because he was often in Montclair. I only had like two or three occasions where I had to meet with Carl, where he sort of made a surprise visit oh, to the campus that I was so excited to meet your pastor for the first time. This is so yeah. wild. Yeah. You're laughing Tanya, but like, it's so not it's, normal. no, it's, it really is not. This is not healthy in any way, shape or form. Not that pastoral roles are, are terribly healthy in general, but like to think your pastor, is some celebrity that you're so cool to have met your pastor. That's not normal. Yeah. To talk about the fact that you had a conversation with Carl, like, Ooh, like I got to talk to Carl. Like how ridiculous is that? Such a celebrity. So kept away from the average church person that it's a big deal to actually have a conversation with him. So yeah. So like a couple of meetings, but when Carl would make a surprise visit and like our, 
team, our creative team leads who were the the ones allowed to talk to Carl on a normal basis. Like, you know, if Carl showed up and he didn't let, you know, Chris Davenport know that he was coming in to, or he was showing up at, at our campus rather than like Midtown or downtown or whatever, he was going to preach from Montclair. So, you know, who's, who's the, who's, who's the gonna service roll producer? Out, who's yeah. going to roll out the red carpet for Carl Lenz? Yeah. So I had to meet with, with him, but of course, you know, it was, it was very, you know, under strict you know, guidelines and all of that. And it happened. Wait, what do you mean times. by strict guidelines to meet with your own pastor? What does that mean? Uh, th- like they, you know, he had his, his like, guy that was always are. walking around with him, like his, his bodyguard. I think it was Luke, um, Luke Termini at what the time. Pastors need right. bodyguards. Well, yeah. Uh, exactly. Cult, <laughs> cult leaders. This sounds normal in New York, but nowhere else. Like, I don't yeah. know how. Yeah. Know. So, oh, really? so yeah, like, uh, like Luke was always, always by his side and, you know, I like, I, I couldn't let other people in with, like, I couldn't have a, a two IC with me, two IC being like second in command was how like the lingo that they had there. So I couldn't have a two IC with me. Uh, so there was no training that was going on in those meetings. Like if I was training another producer, I couldn't bring them in with me into a meeting with Carl. Wow. Um, he was too important. Yeah. That, so that was kind of what was what was going on in in like in the green room, the pastor's green room. You know, the that was the extent of other people going into the pastor's green room. Yeah. So, were you guys aware at all of like what had been going on in Australia? Because as soon as you say twenty four chain, I'm thinking that's when we had the royal commission. Yeah. Um, that's when these guys were the peoples of America aware of what was going on behind the scenes, or like to. To a long degree, yeah. Far away so, place, a long time ago, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and really? I think that's how it was billed to us. There was a lot of sort of downplaying of the severity of uh, of what it was. There was this kind of sense of that's something you know that's going on over there, and and it doesn't doesn't have too much to do with us here. Brian almost felt like the monarchy, like a figurehead. Yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah, it makes makes sense. Yeah. yeah, so he wasn't. I mean, he obviously wasn't actively involved in what we were doing. We didn't really have a sense, aside from like his annual visits. We didn't really have a sense for who he was, and and when he would show up, he wasn't terribly appealing. I remember that's that feeling of like, who is this guy and why why is he talking like this? He doesn't oh, know boy. anything about what's going on. Like the things that he would say. Oh God, I remember my friend Janice, our friend Janice, who was at Hillsong. New York from its inception and even prior before it was, it, it was announced it was going to be Hillsong, New York. And she'd come from Hillsong college, but she often remarks like when, when Brian came into town and he would preach, she would cringe just this feeling of like, right. Oh, this guy doesn't, he has no right. idea. Like, why is he saying these things? What? Like, he's, he's like not that guy, sense. that guy at the party. And you're just like, stop, please. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. Who's he with? who did he come yeah. with? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who did he? So, so we hear about this stuff going on. And then I think it was, it was sort of billed to us as like, I remember in my mind that like the way I saw it and I, I feel like the way I explained it away to myself was, well, you know, Brian wasn't the, the pedophile and he's not. And, and of course, you know, Brian did a lot of work to make it seem like he was the founding pastor and not his, his dad. So, you know, it, you know, it was the church wasn't founded by a pedophile. Brian isn't the pedophile. And, you know, Brian has been as transparent as he can be. You know, he's not responsible for his father's actions. 
Um, because he told you he was being transparent, and so he was. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right, right. And it was being built to us that way. And and I think there was a lot of, on, on our part, we were just sort of like, well, we're doing our thing, and that's that's just whatever's going on in Australia. That's not That's not our business. They'll take care of it, you know. Yeah. We were sort of isolated in that regard. And I mean, Australia must seem like a faraway place. Is it, how was that? Is that the, was it marketed as that kind of Eden that I've been told it was like, must be a pure religion comes from such a paradise place or something? <laughs> we, we saw Sydney as the Vatican, I think. I, I don't know if that, like, exactly, but like. When uh, Nate hears Australian accents, even today, it has an impact it, it's, on it's, him. It's, it's it's tough. <laughs> it has some triggering <laughs> effects related to Hillsong. No, okay, like emotional kind of. Warm. We can handle. We can handle you, Tanya. Yeah, because you're you're not a dude exactly. with a hills. With a hills with an Aust- yeah, yeah. Honestly, it is. It's like you know, guys with Australian accents definitely have that. It's it is it is sort of emotionally intense for me because it. it Whenever I hear, especially like walking, like walking around New York City and I hear an Australian accent, I'm like, oh my God, is that somebody that I know? Right. <laughs> is that someone from Hillsong? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What was Carl speaking with? I mean, he's I mean, American- Carl, Carl had, you know, his Virginia boy attempt at, at sounding like he was from New York. Right. But, but the thing is, Carl, Carl also didn't preach every Sunday. You know, we were getting, on a Sunday to Sunday basis, we were getting Josh Kimes, Kane Keating. Uh, I know Matt Barges is West Virginia, so he's not Australian, but like those were the guys that we were hearing from Sunday to Sunday. And occasionally Carl would, cause Carl was always traveling around the country. So cool. Speaking at, at other churches, you know, he was That's at Vu church or at, uh, Vu? Is yeah. that actually name of my church? Yeah. There's a, there's a church called Vu church. There's, he was at Vu church. He Sorry, at, because I speak French. Yeah. This is even more entertaining for <laughs> me that they named it church Vu. Yeah. So he would, he would visit there. He would visit his buddy, uh, Judah Smith. He would visit his church, church home. Uh-huh. Yeah, a mosaic in in LA. He would go. You know, he was just he doing. He's so tour. important. He's yeah. just busy. He was so important. What's that? Well, he fits in everywhere. Apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like a chameleon that could adapt yeah. to. Like he's so important that he has to be away from the place that he's supposedly yeah. the pastor. Right? I mean, Brian was always away. Brian was yeah. always away out seeking more, and you know, whatever yeah. it is. It's you know, important. he's. I'm sure he's going and collecting donations for, you know, the, for Hillsong, quote unquote, air quotes. quotes. Yeah. You know, just make raking in the cash wherever he could. So yeah, like I, Oh God, conference, right. We had, which like, conference? Yeah, I, um, so conference, I think it was 2015, 2015, 2016. That was eye opening for you, right? Yeah. Con- conference was sort of like the first the first ah, moment right. where I where I started to notice like the, this whole thing is is unhealthy, and I remember I, I saw the divide between like the quote unquote lower level volunteers and like the mid tier volunteers, wow, like the okay. upper echelon volunteer. Right, I was at the time I was dating a girl who I, I don't remember where she was volunteering, but they had her in with the army of like three hundred some odd volunteers, and they were trapped in this little room with no chairs. They had to like sit on the floor, and they were being fed like practically mass produced ham sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches, and so on and so forth. Right, like. 
Just like the the cheap ass white bread stuffed in a little wait and at conference they were there from early early yeah yeah like call time for a lot of people was 6 a.m and you wouldn't leave until midnight they're working their butts off and eating peanut butter and jelly from the church as their compensation yeah i mean come on it's that's that's deliberate as well i mean oh absolutely oh yeah not afford an extra like you know Right. right 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 Right. So because here's the thing, too, like the mid tier, upper mid tier, upper echelon volunteers, they got to go to the the hot food buffet with like the steaks and the, you know, the scrambled egg, uh, bacon, sausages, the hot coffee, all of it. Ooh, you know? it's behind this door. Ooh, the right. hot buffet. No. Right. You know, and we had, you know, different credentials to that provided us different access to different areas. And I just I remember like being in line for there and like thinking, Ooh, can I sneak out a plate for my girlfriend? <laughs> because the rarity, the kind of musical chairs thing is just not quite enough. But if you try harder, you might make it up to steak level, right? Like, and it justifies yeah. peanut butter, right? If, right. Oh I yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One, one of the kind of things that's kind of upsets me, the more we look at this is the more you realize how easy it is to kind of get people to behave like, trained circus animals really it doesn't take too much they must just be looking back going well this is just too easy (laughs) which is what what makes them even more reprehensible right oh yeah the classism that they're trying to instill in them and you have like backstage passes with different colors or whatever Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah there was like certain stickers that would go on your credential that you know would be checked to to see oh yeah and i i, I misplaced my credential at one point and i got chewed out by by my team lead because they were like you know could you imagine what would happen if oh, somebody no. found what would happen like, if God people forbid. found out there was all these class yeah. layers and, I, like, and not, and not like it's not like they would even know what it meant like oh this uh-huh. this you know this credential provides it like they would how would they even find their way through the labyrinth that was prudential center like you needed to rip off one of the high pastors credentials and see where it yeah. led you into which doors <laughs> all right although they didn't carry credentials because they were so they were so recognizable with their bodyguards and everything with their bodyguards they didn't have they didn't it's have, so uh, insane yeah so, what's, like, so what happens to you at conference that makes this like by the end of conference so, so like, there was that there was the you know the eye-opening you know seeing the the difference between the two you know, essentially casts of volunteer, different classes of volunteer. And then there was that, the chewing out that I got, just the incredible time. And this was a fellow volunteer. This was somebody who was my peer on a Sunday to Sunday basis, who suddenly got a little taste of power and used that to ream me out for, for misplacing my credential. And I like, I just remember very vividly thinking like, I I don't want to replicate this. And I've got a feeling like, and this is when I recognize like these things are happening wide scale. I, so I made a decision that weekend that on Sunday, a, I'm never going to do that kind of thing to my team and B I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to protect my team from that kind of toxicity. And I think I noticed that that's a thread for a lot of my friends who have left. That's a common thread. Like one of their at least one of their steps on their way out is like, I'm here to protect the people that that report to me or that are in mm-hmm. my connect group or mm-hmm. whatever, that I'm here to protect them from the toxicity that's above me. You're literally staying at church to protect people from abuse. 
and that's somehow a normal part of the right. church experience. <sighs> yeah. Oh, it's because it's why it's widespread. Like every single person that I know who left there, who was either a connect group leader or who was uh, a team leader that, that I've spoken to. There are a few people that I know have left that I was close to, but I haven't talked to them about their, their exit. But they're the people that I have talked to about their exit from Hillsong. They have all said that w- at one point, or at, for one phase of their exit, they were they they convinced themselves that the reason they were there was to protect the people around them from the toxicity of the leadership, either immediately above them or two levels above them or whatever. I've heard Hillsong people say like, "Oh well, you know, I know the church wasn't affirming, so I'm staying there so that my gay friends know that mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I will keep them safe." And it's not just Hillsong that does that in yeah. evangelical mm-hmm. churches; that's common. But it's so. Looking back for me, it's just, wow. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Well, you've got to be the light in the world in the church. You've got to be the light to the church. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, and that's sheep from the sheep. From right. The from, from the sheep. From the, the wolves that are in the church. Right. Yeah. From the sheep that have been given a wolf's outfit. Shepherds in... <laughs> cosplaying pastors i don't know like it's but yes and i mean again i think that's about you know we we are taught to devalue ourselves we're you know essentially worthless and you sir i mean you undercut to judas so i mean i don't know about you um, <laughs> but we will we will go and defend others and, and i mean i think that sounds all kind of really valid especially when there's that constant crisis and busyness and what am i going right. to do well, where am i going to go and oh but i've still yeah. got to do this by four o'clock so i you know, yeah. you do it. Yeah. Can. Not that, even the busyness, but like the worthwhileness of yourself being so right. linked in terms of the environment teaching you that these people are important and you're less. They're way ahead of you and they're so important and you are so not important. Mm-hmm. Like just reinforcing that year, the devaluation yeah. of your of yourself as a human. How could you volunteer that long and be just stuck with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Well, that's the thing too, because it was a one weekend or like Thursday, Friday, Saturday out of the year. Like honestly, there, there weren't a whole lot of repeat volunteers from year to year. There was a lot of Hillsong burnout from what I Oh, understand. yeah. There was a lot, a lot of, of volunteer burnout. And it's just like the thing is they convince you that it's your fault if you feel oh. this way, especially people who have even an ounce of power. There's something in that world that convinces you that this that this power is worth it to walk all over people and then to to treat them the way that Hillsong convinces you to treat them for what purpose? Like, I still cannot, I don't get it. Like, does this save souls? But even then, like, I I don't, I don't know. It it still boggles my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. That toxicity you talk about, it's, it's, I don't know anybody who hasn't been screamed at and I'm yet to hear a pastor's name who wasn't a screamer. So wow, mm-hmm. whatever this thing is, and I mean this this same leader might have been fantastic in 19 out of 20 situations, but I'm telling you somebody's got a story where he lost his mind. Yep. And, you know, it's it's a culture, is, is it a personality? How do mm-hmm. you then kind of take it from there? I mean, at what point do you get a break to think, I guess? So like, I think what, what happened after conference was Sunday felt like a relief and I was, you know, back with my team, back with the people that I, that I felt like most connected with. And then you just sort of get into that routine. And over time I started to feel like this just doesn't feel 
worthwhile. It feels like a slog. I'm just tired all the time. I also started volunteering. I played and coached ice hockey and I started volunteering as a, as a, as an ice hockey coach for this nonprofit where we were like bringing hockey to kids in the inner city who couldn't afford to actually play hockey. And so we teach them how to ice skate. We teach them how to, how to, you know, handle, stick into the puck. We do all the things. And I like, I was wanting to devote more time to this. It was so much fun. You know, I get to coach a team. I get to like play with kids on the ice. I told Tanya during the break, hockey is how you and I meeting and getting together because you were a Habs fan. I I like Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. 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 So I was getting very, very involved in this organization, coaching hockey and, and it just, it was a fulfilling volunteer experience. Completely different than Hillsong in terms of the vibe. Yeah. I mean, Hillsong was just draining every, and I, I just remember feeling every Sunday like not wanting to go and and just being drained afterwards and then like getting a text from one of the other coaches who was saying like hey you know we beat this team or you know whatever like and I just wished I was there instead of at Hillsong and then at the same time I was also very involved in an organization called Brew Theology which was inter like interfaith conversations and it was the interfaith conversations at pubs and breweries and whatnot. So I was having conversations about Buddhism, about Taoism, Shinto, all, like things different... you can talk about yeah. inside of evangelicalism anyway. Because You're it was letting all demons into your life is what. Yeah, you're exactly, doing. I was letting right. uh, Satan to take over. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. But you're having life-giving conversations and life-giving yeah. volunteer experience. Yeah. Just quickly, like while you've been talking, I'm thinking you said you had been, um, you signed up for something within a month of being there. And I'm wondering if that's part of the push is because once you've got people involved with two, three, five, ten people, they're not going to leave. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that was keeping me was this feeling of like, I like these people. I care about these people. I care about my connect group. I care about my, and I, I wasn't leading a connect group though, but of course I was getting the push. Like Nate, when are you going to start leading your own connect but group? But you were attending one. Yeah. I was a part of a connect group and, and I loved the people there. I, I loved my team. I didn't want to subject them to the people that were directly above me. But then I think it was maybe during one of those brew theology conversations, somebody who had left an evangelical church kind of just made a comment like, you know, if I don't leave a place where it's just unhealthy and toxic, the message that it sends isn't that like I'm staying there for those people that I'm trying to protect or whatever. It, the message that it sends is that I'm, I agree with what the leadership yeah, is doing and stands for. Yeah, that's yeah. such an important thing. And so. so, and that, that hit me and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. so that, that's okay. actually what I'm doing. That's what the message is being perceived as. Yeah. But like, to your point of like, you know, within a month I was, I was signed up for a team. I was plugged in and I was on a trajectory towards leading teams. Somebody, usually Car- Carl had his little thing where he would say, if you ain't helping, you ain't helping. And like try and guilt people. Yeah. To guilt people into serving, to signing up for, you know, to to basically to dive into the machine, to get, you know, plugged into the matrix. You're part of the problem kind of thing. Right. Totally. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So, so those other experiences that I was having outside of church, they were, they ended up being much more fulfilling. And, and, and church was like that thing in my schedule 
that was preventing me from from enjoying those other aspects of of my life. And when you're involved at church, you weren't setting him up for a win, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't setting him up no, for a win. No. <laughs> what a fulfilling <laughs> church experience for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I was getting reamed out. I was getting oh, yelled at. I was getting reamed out. That you yeah. didn't leave work early in order to volunteer. Yeah. And then you're getting reamed out about it because yeah. it's not going perfectly. Yeah. So that was what prompted me. And that was in um, 20... 17 was when okay. I think I bowed out, but I didn't like, I didn't have like my Giant brain company. hadn't really, this is before everything exploded yeah. that you left. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and it was right as things were getting really exciting at Hillsong, uh, at Hillsong NYC, right? Okay. They were, they were just starting to launch their Connecticut and Boston campuses. They were expanding colonial Hillsong. Yeah. yeah Hillsong colonies, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Hillsong colonizers. And Hillsong East Coast was just about to become a thing. Like they were rebranding from Hillsong NYC to Hillsong East Coast. And I remember like one of my, uh, like one of my leaders saying like, you know, are you sure you want to, you know, step back now? Cause like, like this is when we all Look hands, at all like, the good things yeah, God and, is doing that you're yeah, going to like, And like all hands on, like we need, we need all the help we can get. Well, the um, best is yet to come. Don't yeah, like exactly. The best, yeah. exactly. The best is yet to come. He does a good Brian Houston. You haven't done it yeah. too much, but like really? he really does a good yeah, Brian oh, he got, uh, I don't know how good <laughs> it is. But he, like, you know, with the things that he would, he would say, in the middle of a sermon, he would just be like, you know, just talking about whatever nonsense he's talking about. But then he always stamped it with, in Jesus' name. Jesus. You know, just to make... <laughs> <laughs> just to give it, just to give it that little, like he could be, he could literally just say something like, you know, I got a cell phone call uh, and this call was from a friend of mine in Jesus name. <laughs> yeah. Just get, yeah. And, and suddenly, suddenly it's, giving you flashbacks. Tanya? <laughs> suddenly like it's not voice as well. Cause it's like, <clears throat> I know. Yeah. Somebody give him a lozenge, please. It's been 40 years already. Just those those 10 seconds really did a number on me. Oh, man. It's like doing a Gollum voice. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's like, ugh. So, yeah, like I I remember I I walked away at that time just feeling like something really was off. And I I spent like um, about a year and change away from church in general, but... As I was away, you took a longer than two week break. I did. I took a longer than two week, two week break that time. Um, but as I was away, that's when things started to coalesce in my mind. Like I had time to self reflect. And that's when I started recognizing, like, oh my God, that was, that was all just plain toxic. Like, how the hell? I, and I used to pride myself on like just being a little savvier than your average, average white evangelical. But like, I just, I got sucked into that machine so easily. Again, I mean, we, we I forget which podcast we brought this up in, but I mean, it's such a sophisticated marketing machine yeah. and like any abusive relationship, like any toxic relationship, there are some great times. So it's like, you know, otherwise it would be easy if it were bad all the time mm-hmm. and there weren't good people That's involved really good and connected, it, you know, mm-hmm. if these were monsters, it would be easy, but. There's a lot of exactly. good points. Yeah, because like, I mean, look, it was cool. Like, and, and like I was saying, like I was so drawn into the production and then to be a part of that production and to be a service producer. You're contributing like, to all the things God is doing in the world, Nate. Uh, yeah, but also just on like a selfish level, I got to be a part of the thing that I 
wanted. Like I loved that stuff since I was a, a kid in high school. Your creative type. Yeah. yeah. As a musician, as a singer, as a, you know, I just all, being in that environment just was intoxicating for me. It must have seemed like your destiny. It did. It really did. God called you for such a time as this. <laughs> right. right. And you're right place in the right time in history and all that yeah. kind of, but no, really, I mean, you've been right. brought up your whole life to be right there, right? You're getting yeah. better and bigger and yeah. makes sense. And, and so by the time, you know, I left, I left around, I left in 2017. By the time the stuff, I, I guess, you know, to essentially use the cliche, by the time the shit hit the fan, I had, I had been out. <laughs> sorry, Tanya's mom. I'd been out for a couple of years uh, at that point. But, you know, I still was still a part of me that was thinking, oh, but like, this, it can't be as bad as we all mm-hmm. think it is. You know, when, when Carl initially sent, when, when Brian sent out that statement and then Carl initially posted on, on Instagram, we were, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's like, maybe it's not as bad. Maybe it's yeah. bad in the evangelical world, but not so bad, like in general, but like, no, it was as bad and worse as of course, as the news comes out. And like at the time, and I still, there's still a part of me that, that thinks to a degree that this was the case that like all of it was a little too convenient that, you know, the news about Carl came out when it did. You think Hillsong knew about that a long time. Oh, they knew long before. I'm sure Brian was well aware that he was keeping that information in his back pocket for an opportune moment because look like Carl, the, the thing was, you know, like we were saying, Brian just, he's, he's not, He's not an attractive, he's not a draw. He's not the, the, there's. Some people think he's the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. This is what, what fascinates me. I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) But you think that he was jealous of Carlin. I, yeah, I think, here's the thing too, right? A narcissist can't, if they have the same goal. If there's two of them, (laughs) they're going to eat each other alive. Yeah. They, and they ultimately had the same goal. And, and Carl, Here's the thing. Carl would have been fine without Hillsong. He like Carl didn't need the Hillsong at that point. You know, what was that? Like he already had the celebrities in his back pocket, yeah. right? He had the Jenners and he had oh, Bieber Justin and Bieber, Selena Gomez. Yeah. He already uh, had Kyrie this, Irving. He, he had, had it all. Celebrity like, status. The, the, was it Knicks? The, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So Carl didn't need the Hillsong brand. Um, I, at least from the way I saw it at the, at the time. And in, in fact, the Hillsong brand was probably holding him back unless Carl could be the one steering the ship. That um, was, that was not going to happen. Right. But that wasn't going to happen as long as Brian was alive. And I'm sure Brian calculated things. I'm sure he saw Carl's celebrity status and Used made when the decision he was convenient to for him. Right. And made the decision to, cause you know, again, convenience, right? Cause Carl, you know, you were, you were mentioning, you know, uh, Brian kind of drooling over Carl in those interviews, which you know, because I'm sure Brian said, like, look at how popular this guy is. I brought him in. I put him uh-huh. in charge of Hillsong NYC. Uh-huh. I did that. I created that. And so there's a sense uh-huh. that there's an element of of pride in that. But then as Carl, you know, Carl, Carl got a book deal. What, how many Hillsong pastors get a book deal? Carl was one of the only ones outside of the Houstons themselves. And does Christine Kane have a book? I think she might have a book. I don't even remember. Um, but. No, I mean, she didn't write her own one, but that's... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's hard not... I mean, the cynical part of me is just thinking like, look, and and not to say... Look, that's the thing. I don't want to absolve... I don't want to, like, absolve Carl of his his guilt and complicity in that. Because he, like... 
like we know how toxic of a person he is. Like we saw it in the Discovery Plus documentary, what he did at Wave Church before Hillsong. So of course that just translates into more of the same while he's at Hillsong. But I think it was just sort of opportune for Brian to say, like this guy is going to eclipse me. And if Carl, see the thing is, if Carl had left Hillsong without that scandal becoming public, I think he would have taken 90% of the Hillsong NYC population with him and started his own thing. Because Hillsong NYC, I think by and large- They were loyal to Carl Lentz. Yeah, we we couldn't have given two shits about the Houstons for the most part. I think if push came to shove, we would have, the as a congregation, would have gone with with Carl. With your cool leather jacket. Yeah, Carl spoke to the New York culture. You know, he. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. It was terrific. You yeah. know they saw I mean you know they sold their house like five days before the announcement or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. The lenses. Uh, I mean Carl and Laura lived know. they live nearby you. Yeah, Carl and Laura lived in Montclair. Uh they right. lived in New Jersey. Yeah. N- like yeah, yeah, right nearby here. Well, I mean, yeah. Just right before yeah, right before their big announcement, mm-hmm. they sold their house like five yeah. days before or something. Yeah. Which we didn't like, know until after the I I didn't know until but of course at that point I was I was sort of like done. I was not really you were following the news from a distance after you'd left of what was going yeah. on with Carl. Yeah. I didn't even like pay too much attention until the headlines hit. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't think too much about my Hillsong experience after, you know, after about a year or so, a year or two after leaving, I didn't give it too much thought until the news dropped. And then the news about, about Carl, but what hit me more was the news about Darnell because that, right. But Darnell was a guy that I crossed paths with and rubbed shoulders with a lot. Like He was a New Jersey 
New Jersey guy. Yeah, I mean, he. What Darnell do for the people? You so Darnell, um, yeah, I know you can't, it's all it's all a thing. Uh, so Darnell was uh, one of the pastors at Hillsong in the Montclair location of Hillsong NYC, and he sent DMs to a former Hillsong volunteer that essentially, I mean. It's a little bit more complex than that, but essentially he sent dick pics to one of the former volunteers and to be friends who, who I found I, and it didn't dawn on me. Like I, I read the article and it didn't even like think about checking, like checking to see who this person was until I ran into her at a friend's wedding. And I was like, oh my God, did you hear about Darnell? And she's like, I was the one he sent the picture to. I was like, oh. You're like, that was you. You blew the whistle on this oh, guy. You're the one who blew the whistle on the on that whole thing. And it was just Which like. It's so cool how those circles work as well. It's interesting. Sitting around yeah. at a reception discussing uh, yeah. Hillsong nonsense. Yeah. At a, at a friend. <laughs> At a friend's wedding who I don't want to like steal the, the thunder of his story, but he's like, he's, he's had enough and I don't think he really wants to revisit it himself. So, and he's, he's, but he had his own Hillsong He had his own, yeah, Hillsong experiences that included Matt and Lindsay Barr just basically, like he was engaged to somebody who was essentially married to Hillsong already. And so he was like, well, when, when is this, when is this relationship going to include me? And Matt and Lindsay were basically like, well, you have to recognize that her, her primary relationship was with the church. <laughs> the pastors are letting him know your, your future wife is married to the church yeah. before you. I mean, it used to be, you've got to understand her primary relationship is with God or with Jesus, but that well, whole the church is Jesus. Thing, they are Jesus. Language thing. Yeah. It's so <laughs> interchangeable. Um, it is. You've had so many different kinds of, there's been so many ingredients that have gone into your worldview. I, I don't know how easy it is for you to pull them apart and look at each one. Was the, the leaving of Hillsong different? And if so, how so? Did it have a different impact than Bob Jones? Than all or the other. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and the reason, first of all, I spent more time away from church after leaving Hillsong because I was, I was so burned out on, mm. on church. And I think by that point, I was also starting to really question, did I, do I even believe in any of this, this whole, like this God thing, the, you know, you started asking the bigger questions. Yeah. That's when, when those questions started to hit and sure. Like if I look at my history, the trajectory was there to a degree, but Hillsong served as the, the biggest point I, I could have reached because I was at that uh, my my journey through evangelicalism was bigger from smaller church, church, bigger and bigger, yeah. bigger, yeah, going bigger and bigger and bigger. You hit and, the big time, yeah, and and that was that you hit like the, like the yeah, prime time. that was as far as essentially as far as you could go. Sure, there are some churches that might be you know bigger than Hillsong, but didn't have necessarily the global reach or the the recognition that that Hillsong had. And I I think for me, leaving Hillsong encapsulated more than just leaving Hillsong. It encapsulated leaving evangelicalism, leaving Christianity to a degree. I, I would eventually find my way back, but not, nowhere near the same the same way. Leaving my belief in God. Like, even though I, I do identify as a Christian now, I probably don't believe in God. Some days I might, some days, I think I would probably say. Like, I don't know, you're agnostic. How, that work, how does that work? You either, you know, lay down your brothers and sisters and leave and follow me and become fishes of crypto and men. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think for me, there's this sense of 
Jesus was an interesting character who had his existence and his time on earth had a lot of political ramifications in the Roman Empire, in Palestine, in the Jewish tradition, you know, as as a Jewish rabbi. But I'm of the mindset now I used to, obviously used to be like everything is the word of God and you know you do not do not question the word of God but I'm of the mindset now that like take it or leave it you know if there are things that Jesus said that I'm not comfortable with I don't have to be comfortable with them and I don't have to take them but if he said some things that are meaningful then I can take them like any author that or, or like you know wisdom tradition that I might like look into there are some things that resonate with me and that I can grasp onto. And there are things that, that don't Jesus as a, as a political figure, Jesus as a sort of revolutionary. I resonate with, with that. I resonate with what he did politically in the face of a massive empire. Jesus as like the divine son of God. Ah, that doesn't, that doesn't fit with me. Rambo uh, Jesus, like John Cena. Yeah, Jesus. No. Yeah. Jesus with the, with the tattoo on Masculine his thigh. And WWE Jesus yeah. didn't work for you anymore, but I'm wondering um, how much Hillsong for you I don't know, Tanya, if you're like me, because we were discussing ADHD and neurodivergence before amongst us, but do you think in metaphors like me, like, are you big metaphor, right? Like ADHD? Yes. So I think in metaphors, and there's two that pop into my head with Hillsong, your last experience, Nate. And one of them is uh, from Hamilton, the room where it happens, where it's like, it talks about how you get to see how the sausage gets made. That was one of the lines in the song of like, getting to see in the room where it happens, where stuff really goes down. I feel like Hillsong was eye-opening. And the other metaphor for me is in The Wizard of Oz, where they pull back, well, like yeah. Toto pulls yeah. back the curtain and they yeah. see who's really operating That's this right. shit and what he's doing. Yeah. Sorry, what he's always offering this crap. And what he's doing. I mean, because that's what you're saying. It was like you hit the heights and then there wasn't anything bigger. I wonder what that crash was like. And how did your evangelical family take this new point of view that you've got here now? These are hard-hitting questions, Tanya. You're really throwing the hard ones. And we're bleeding on every page here. It's trauma porn. Go. So um, I, I would say that, you know, I, I have good days and bad days with my family and I'm, I'm encouraged by the sense of, of loyalty oh. that my family has to me, uh, despite the fact that they are, they, they certainly are uncomfortable with, with my exit from evangelicalism, both myself and my brother. And, you know, far be it from me to tell my brother's story, but, you know, my brother has his own story, having been a worship leader and one of the key creative team leads in uh, Hillsong NYC for a number of years. And then for him to just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Peace out. Yeah. It breaks my heart. I'm like, we've spent a few hours talking. You're such a nice guy. You're such a good person. And it's like good days and bad days with your family since what? Since you got out of prison for murder? No. Right. You know, it's such a deep just, system of belief. Yeah. That it's hard for people who haven't exited yeah. out to understand like what they imagine to be all truth right. and all good. Right. And the only way to look yeah. at this, it's very it's yeah. very difficult to exit out of yeah. that way of looking at things. Yeah. To, to be fair to, to my family, like they, they've all left Hillsong. Anytime that there has been some hurt or harm that was um, inflicted on myself or my brother, my parents have been good at saying, you know what, we're, we're done with that okay. place. And they've, they have followed us from, from church to yeah. church, which I, I find interesting. Your trajectory you know, my, out of fundamentalism, they follow you guys. Yeah. yeah. His parents are very supportive of putting, 
what I admire about Nate's family, and I'm just going to speak on that, like, because I know your family, yeah. is they have supported you guys above religion, which is so rare and so precious and so beautiful. Like, the value of their own kids mm-hmm. came first, and it was like, you guys yeah. have been hit, hurt by the church, right. then we're moving out of this right. environment. And, but also, there are still some blind spots, right? They're still evangelical. They're floundering because they can't, <laughs> like, they cannot find... Can't find a non-toxic evangelical yeah. church? How oh. come? Why? Yeah. Why and what's going on there? Mm. Yeah. No, really, it's, it's nobody's fault. I mean, that's a history thing as well. Like really, again, with the technology and, and the connectedness that people are getting, there's no way that people knew 10 years ago the amount or had that connectivity, that familiarity with connectivity and all these relationships that we've got now. I mean, that was in no way a, a criticism. It's just, it's, it's just so severe and it's, it is. And it's so sad. And, I, and we all understand their grief as well. Yeah. You know, like, and one of the things too that I that I feel and I recognize in them, I saw in myself when friends of my own were walking away from evangelical Christianity, which was what fear. Yeah, that sense of like fear, that sense of of grieving the connection that we had because it was the one thing that we had in common. Because I didn't know anything else about about those friends. You formed those whole relationships, yeah. around God yeah. rather than. Or around this belief system you have rather than around you well, as individual people. Mm-hmm. A little culture, a little community. And I mean, then you might become, you're becoming colleagues as well and teammates yeah. and, and brothers in exactly. the Lord. I mean, these are really close bonds. Exactly. It is. But, but then there's nothing else. Once that, once that's gone, okay. what else? Once you're no longer yeah. teammates. So, almost sounds like drug using community. Like once everyone gets sober, they've got nothing in common anymore. Right. Right. Hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're chasing that Jesus high together, but when that's no longer available, when it no longer hits. What community do you have left and what bond do you have left? Yeah. And what do you think? I mean, you're still in touch with people, right? What's that like? I'm less in touch with people from who are, who are still there. I mean, I do have one person in my life who's still, who's still in inside Hillsong and, and it's, it's tough. It's tough watching them. You just don't discuss it. Justify. Yeah. We we just don't discuss it. We don't talk about it. But as far as the people, the people on the outside, I think, you know, that since we've all left, there's that sort of rekindling of friendships, building of new friendships. Ah, Tonight when we were talking with this friend from Hillsong, he was like, they mentioned someone else they knew who got out and his friend was like, and they got out and I was so excited. And I was like, I feel like that's the vibe of finding out someone. And that shows how toxic the place is, how excited they all get at knowing someone else broke free of such a toxic, it shows the oppressiveness of the environment of how excited they get about someone making it out and how controlling their And and knowing, because you know that kind of insanity and that lack of clarity and like, Mm -hmm. how do I ever know if I'm doing the right thing? And then you, like, I am, I'm okay. And it doesn't, there isn't one right thing. And, you know. It's yeah, a, it's and and honestly, there's someone else get that. Yeah, and there's an but excitement in in wondering like, what can we connect over? There's certainly something beyond the whole Jesus thing or the whole church, the the church machine. Like, there's something there that drew me to them besides all of this. Something about their personality. Yeah. Something about who they are as right. an individual, but, not the superficial. Right. But while we were stuck in that daily Hillsong grind, I never got to know who they really were and the excitement of knowing that they're out and the possibility to know them. Yeah. The possibility of building that friendship apart from all of that is exciting. 
That's I'm, nice, isn't it? Because yeah. you almost were kept held prisoner, to, I mean, by some coercive control. Oh, and you're saying it so well, Tanya. Yes. And it's, it's like you all got out and you're having like a prison reunion. It's, re- it's like really <laughs> yeah. nice. I know what I'm talking about, right? Just like one big minimum security prison in this country. Yeah. So, wow. What what advice do you give to somebody who is totally emerged in this? And I mean, from your cultural perspective as an American, because it is such a different culture to, to ours and yeah. to others. You know, somebody who's been raised in the church, in the school, in the college, in the training, in the family, the whole thing. You know? I Similarly to what you said on our podcast, I, I would encourage... I would encourage people to question everything and to that not. That was a really good point. Yeah. Yours, Tanya. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I, I I do love what you said. Just question. Just ask it's questions. It's terrifying. I mean, that's and it is terrifying. terrifying. It is, is incredibly terrifying. But the thing is, on the other side, I think there's there's a sense of freedom in knowing that you're not just covering over things with pat answers. Giving God glory. Yeah. Jesus is doing something nebulous that no one can define, even though the visuals yeah. and the actual optics of what's really happening don't match up. But you have to put a nice spin on everything. Because it's so painful and so, like, with who we are as people, like, I would advise people, listen to your body. Listen to what your body is telling you. Because it really goes against your body to live with all this cognitive dissonance when you see what's happening all around you and you have to tell yourself, well, no, there's something good here. But how can it be good if it just keeps happening over and over and over again? You know, we were talking in, I think, on our podcast about the, the theme of sexual abuse and sexual trauma and rape. I mean, like, you know, it's not just Carl, it's not just Darnell, it's not just Reed, it's not just, it keeps coming up over and over and over again. And at some point you have to say, God is not in this. There's nothing, there's nothing right. good there's in no here. There's no baby yes. in the bathwater. Yeah, the, yeah. the baby is gone. I like to gone. say the yes, baby has Gail grown up and flipped over the table and you need to move on. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. flipped over the table. Yeah, yeah. Because um, people say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The baby's left, yeah, yeah. the baby's gone. Not right. in the tub anymore. I mean, it's another really remarkable thing about you is that you're male and you're speaking out loud. Now, I get, I mean, women, I guess, write and connect more socially anyway, but the majority of the kind of, like the majority of the contact that I have is with, is, is, is initiated by women talking about trauma and grief. And it's only been recently, in the last couple of years, I've realized, hang on, She's got a husband in the other room who's not even speaking because he's so grief struck. The same things that, you know, you know, this concept of family and, and, and community and my brothers and my, you know, maybe my substitute father and bro, you're looking, that's what we Mm. saw from over here. It was like, (laughs) looking good, bro. Yeah, Yeah, bro. All this bro. And I can't imagine what that's like for men to have that taken away from them or realize that they were lied to or coerced or, Mm. I mean, that's killer, literally killer. Yeah. Yeah, I I think. So you're such a a unicorn. (laughs) uh, Maybe, maybe I'm like, I'm a little hard on, (laughs) I'm a little hard on, on men, but honestly, I'm like, I, I think grow up like everybody, everybody goes through it. Like, yes, it is. It's, it's a huge knock. And it's painful, but you know what? Like you're capable people, people have walked Mm -hmm. these paths. And if you're incapable of it, go to therapy, 
God, like, like the amount of healing and help that can be had in just talking to a counselor and mm. just working through things, processing whatever pain you've gone through. And yeah, look, I mean, that's the thing too. Like we, we're, we're socialized and conditioned to not lean on each other emotionally because god forbid we look like a woman god is that even like that's a thing too it's like the worst it's thing that insult. you could imagine it's you an insult like to a, a man to like <laughs> act like a woman but like no seriously learn from them yeah <laughs> learn from how women can yeah men have yeah, high but- suicide rates for a reason yeah. They do statistically have high suicide rates because they don't know how to function with emotional depth and 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 revealing what I want to give Nate some credit because I know in the support group you were in a support group for Hillsong you were the only dude and there was a group a big yeah. Group oh yeah um, yeah I was the only male presenting person in, in the how did you find this support group what was so that we like outside of the Hillsong conversation you know Gail and I on our podcast we talk a lot about different different types of religious trauma different organizations and different churches and we we brought on to our our podcast uh, Kayla Felton who is one of the the founders of an organization called Reclamation Collective. And unfortunately, it's only available in North America. But they provide both clinical and non-clinical. Um, the non-clinical is so that those who are outside of yeah. the U.S. can get support too. Right, right. Because if it's clinical, then it's only going to be available to those who have insurance. Right, who, yeah. right. But they provide both clinical and non-clinical support. In mental health support for people who were who suffered religious trauma, adverse religious experiences, so on and so By forth. So licensed professionals yeah, exactly. who are trained they're, in this. They're they are licensed, they're clinicians, they're trained. So we had a, a conversation with Kayla and have developed a little bit of an online friendship and then had the opportunity to to meet in person as well. But then Kayla made me aware, uh, along with a few other Hillsong survivors who were uh, situated in North America and and one or two outside that they were providing, given what had happened and, and all the news dropping and, and the Discovery Plus documentary coming out, just how traumatizing it is to revisit all of that and not have a support system in place. So uh, they provided a 10-week support group for Hillsong survivors free of charge. And I ended up joining that group. I also found my therapist through Reclamation Collective, a bad experience with a therapist um, previously. I, I was looking for a therapist who was at least informed in religious trauma. When you've been through religious trauma, you really need someone who under, who has a grasp on that because yeah. it's yeah. such a unique, yeah. hard, difficult yes. experience to go through. Yeah. So I found my therapist through the Reclamation Collective, my current therapist through the Reclamation Collective. They have a directory. Yeah, so they have a directory for people. So any of your listeners who are in North America, they do have a directory. They're... Availability in Canada is very slim. I think they have like one or two providers in Canada, but they do have a directory of North American clinicians who you, if you're looking for a therapist and many of them take your standard state insurance. So if you are in network, you can find a provider. So for, for those of you in North America who are listening, I I highly, highly recommend. (laughs) Not that women don't need help, but men have a hard time seeking out. Yeah, no, America. It's, no, it's exciting. I mean, this is it's being now measured and treated like any other kind of real experience that has yeah. after effects instead of like you never prayed enough was the only other answer we ever got. So uh, go read your Bible more and tithe and you'll feel better. Yeah. So I learned this year for the first time, the difference between PTSD and CPTSD. And I don't know if this will be helpful for your listeners, but you, you know, your podcast is leaving Hillsong leavers and believers. And I love your timeline. 
But like, I think for those who are leaving, I I only learned about this this year is PTSD is often like, you know, when you have a traumatic situation, like someone dies in front of you or some, something tragic happens. That's an, a moment in time, but CPTSD is complicated PTSD yeah, and complex. that's complex. Yeah. Thank you. It's complex PTSD. And that could be a religious training throughout your lifetime of teaching yes. you things that downgrade yes. your self-esteem and your belief in yourself and you're, you're worthless mm-hmm. and, you know, thinking you're crazy. That can be complex PTSD, and it's not a moment in time. It's a bunch of moments strung together mm-hmm. to create mm-hmm. in you the inability, like all the effects of PTSD mm-hmm. and more. Um, I think like that's been eye-opening for me. It's just the the trauma that comes with a lot of religious yeah. indoctrination. Because yeah. you have like things will happen. Your brain just does a thing, and you're like, what – what the hell am I experiencing? What is this? Why do I feel this way? I don't have PTSD. I didn't, I didn't suffer that kind of trauma, right. but then, but, but religion does a thing to you. Like it's, it really does. We were having this conversation before this conversation, all right. before I started recording about just what it's like to be afraid you're going to go to hell as a kid. What yeah. it's like to just fear all the, the rapture, the, right? We were talking right? about feeling like worrying about being left behind or, or you, what's going to happen to those left behind. Like, right. Someone's saying, don't worry about it until the afterlife. And how, why, <laughs> why when you're raised with that, you can't do that yeah. because you have been scared and petrified and like taught into, I mean, kids praying the prayer or the salvation prayer over and over and over every night because they're so scared. They miss something in it and they're going to get, you know, or their parents disappear and they're like, they didn't find them in the in the store that they were in and they thought their parents got raptured. Like, it's yeah. tra- trauma that evangelical kids go through that's terrifying. And yet there's nothing tangible. And this is the problem. So right. there's no earthquake. There is no car accident. So whatever it is you're complaining about, it must be all in your head and stuff because you're the only one who's suffering. Everybody else seems to be doing all right. And, I mean, I think that's that's really clever as well. There's... They're one of the famous pastors apparently used to say back in the day, there's a lot of money to be made in the invisible. There's also like zero responsibility with the, with the invisible, I guess, yeah. as well. I mean, you mentioned the idea that you're the only one. That's gaslighting. That is what right. the, that actually term, that term is like trying to make you feel crazy and trying to make you feel like yes. that's all in your head. Yeah. That's what the term gaslighting is. And yeah, religious systems will try and give you that in order for mm-hmm. you to doubt yourself. And I think that's important for people to hear you are not alone. Like you, Tanya, you're realizing you're not alone as you're interviewing yeah. people, as you're hearing these stories. Everyone didn't turn out okay. All these stories you were fed that everyone else has moved on and they're all doing great in mm. life and you're mm. the only one left behind is not true. And as we share our stories, we start to realize oh, wow, this whole system has created a lot of us who are victims of a, a bigger problem. Like, it wasn't that we did something wrong and we're the ones who are in the wrong path. No, we're all getting, like, most people are getting harmed by this whole system. A lot of people are getting seriously harmed. Yeah. yeah. Apart from, I think, the very, you know, the very few people that benefit from this system, I mean, I just don't, do you know what I mean? It's almost like a factory kind of assembly line. I don't see how it's producing vastly different results oh, it's no. no like even beyond hillsong like what just just recently we saw the village church in texas deal with this thing and and like look these are the headline grabbing ones because there are you know thousands of, of members in these congregations you know mark driscoll's church um hillsong but then there's those smaller churches with like just a few hundred people in their congregation that experience the same kinds of implosions and are replicating like these pastors are just preying on people they're they're predators 
and evangelicalism is replicating this, like you know, like you said, off a factory line. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about before, as Janice says uh, often, they're cowards. So they're not, yeah. and they, and the thing is they're, they're cowards and they know they're in the wrong. There's no way they can spin it to, to look good. It, sure. Maybe they come forward and try to paint a narrative ahead of time, but they're not going to do it uh, on our shows. And many of their stories have already been told like between your podcast, our podcast, Janice's podcast, whoever else is telling yeah, Hillsong yeah. stories a lot of those stories are coming out and they will continue to come out between the Discovery Plus documentary and yeah, like the those stories are going to continue to come out. It, there's also seems to be no consequence either. So they can kind of do what they like. And yeah, what they're you, off. What are you going to do off, about it? Yeah. Right, right. They're off like, oh, we're just going to go to move to Hawaii and start another yeah. church called The. Start The The. Right. The The. The The. The No, the, it's The. Even though The it's, is in The The. The is in it's, it's, it's like that little arrow in FedEx, right? It's just crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the little it's, arrow in there. But at least that's clever. And visually right? you're like, oh, that's a thing. Oh, look at that. That's a thing that's in there. With the, it's like, really? That's that's the best you got? The, the inside it's the? just kitschy. That's all it is. All that it takes to suck people oh, in. it really is. How long after walking away yeah. did you meet this lovely Gail? Did you ah, him yeah. So I left, I left Hillsong in 2017. After leaving Hillsong, I got involved in a number of ex-evangelical communities online. You know, we're all trauma bonding. <laughs> and there was, uh, like, I hate to use the word drama because it's, it's more than drama. There was, there was trauma involved. There was abuse, mm -hmm. but th okay. there was some drama. Uh, like it, one of my friends had been involved in it was one of the victims of uh, some some further abuse outside of the evangelical. Because well, people carry it with yeah, because people carry they the leave toxicity the community with, yeah. with misogyny and homophobia, and yeah. they bring it into the mm -hmm. the deconstruction mm -hmm. yeah. post evangelical world. They haven't they haven't figured right. out how to get rid of that part. Right, and so well, maybe they're just attracted to a system of sexism. Right, but anyway. and now they think they're safe because mm -hmm. now they're atheists, right. but they still haven't actually right. impacted. Well, in this particular group, they weren't atheists. They were still Christian. They were right. just trying to find another non-evangelical expression, but there, there was just no accountability. And anyway, so some, some stuff had gone down and one of my friends had posted some things about what had taken place. And I, you know, was commenting there and Gail yeah. was apparently involved with that group of people as well, trying to help them tell their story of being abused. I kind of knew them individually and they were telling me their stories with this organization that was supposed to be helping people, but was doing the opposite. And I was like, you guys were all a member of the same group. Maybe you should tell your stories as a group. Like you, like we've talked about, there's power in numbers when you realize you're not alone yeah. and that a lot of yeah. people have dealt with something. So they, they put their story together and um, they ended up telling it. And Nate was, and I was behind the scenes encouraging him along and Nate was friends with some of them. And so he just was like, you know, I'm so sorry that you, that you, that you guys, that you girls have been through this. And I was being silly because I saw Nate had a hockey jersey from my city. And I was surprised. I thought, oh, he must be from Montreal. And he's not. He's from New York City area. So I was like, wait, how did you become a Montreal Canadiens fan? And like, I started a side conversation, not on the topic at all, the very serious discussion that was going down. And, you know, Nate, felt a little embarrassed he didn't realize behind the scenes i was really good friends with all these girls and these women and they weren't upset at me at all like they knew i was fully supportive of them when i changed the topic but nate slid into my dms he got all sneaky and he was like yeah, right okay we'll get into our hockey talk but like 
I don't want to blow wanna, up. Yeah, I don't, don't want to blow up their notifications right. with like hockey stuff. So like, so you just start. Essentially, you bonded over like a really like aggressive sport. So it's it's like a Lent's marriage anyway, right? Made in heaven. Yeah. That's so nice. It's, it's beautiful. And now you're going to get married, and things yeah, will be we're, fine. We're engaged. We're getting married next year. We're still doing long distance right now from Montreal to to New York City, and it's uh. We did this through the pandemic. It's been three and a half years of like trying to figure this out with closed borders oh, yeah. and mm. and making it work. And now that the borders are open, we can drive the five and a half hours to see each other, which yeah. is nice. And I'm looking forward to getting married. Yeah. Do you notice differences in your relationship styles now? And I know this is huge, but like, is oh. there you do you, do you approach relationships differently, perhaps, than you might have? I don't know. I we definitely this, yes. met at an interesting point because both right. of us. We're in the middle of deconstruction from evangelicalism and Nate was further along than me. Uh, you know, I still really like believe there's a God out there and doing good stuff. And I was also coming out of a 20 year marriage and okay. getting divorced, got married way too young. I know. I think you understand me totally, Tanya, but like had kids super young and, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And and then you got to stick with it no matter what, even when it's damaging to you and eventually came out of that. And Nate was an amazing friend and amazing support and somebody can bounce thoughts of about asking the wrong questions that you're not allowed to ask in evangelicalism, having discussions about very real topics about spirituality that you're not supposed to ask, you know, like, okay, where in the Bible does it talk about hell and what did that actually mean? And like, Oh, all these foundational things we were taught just doesn't add up. Like the math doesn't add up. The original language does not reflect what we've been told in our churches. And, we just start having really neat conversations together as friends and ended up having a very enriched, like meaningful relationship where for sure there's trauma bonding that came from our past experience, <laughs> but like just a, a willingness to meet each other where we're at. Yeah. I remember I'll, g- I'll give one little antidote to finish this story between it and I, but my sister said, you know, your beliefs have changed a lot. And I know in the Bible, there's that verse about not being unequally yoked. And my ex and I were very, we had the same belief systems about Jesus and everything, but our values didn't line up. I mean, when it comes to empathy, caring for others, we were always arguing about how to like where, where what our values were. And we were always taught unequally yokement, Christian, non-Christian together. And my sister was like, well, what if your beliefs change? And I, what I realized with Nate is our values really lined up. Okay. We both, wow. we both had cared about loving people and yeah. being kind and being thoughtful humans and whether our beliefs change in the future, that didn't matter. Yeah. It was like, we have, we share values in common and that's so much bigger. And I wish someone would have said Brilliant. unequally yoke could mean right. not sharing values rather than not yeah. having the exact same. Do you believe in Jesus as your personal Lord and savior? Right. If not, then you're right. going to hell. Right. Like it was so much deeper than that. Yeah. Have and at the, the time, values. at the time we didn't necessarily even believe similarly yeah we were we were in the exact same place belief wise Mm -hmm. and we both changed and we continue to evolve and change as people in our beliefs Mm -hmm. but sharing values of caring for others of loving people of empathy of you know fighting against injustice of caring about marginalized people we've always been on nate and Mm -hmm. i've been on the same page oh i love that i love that i want to end there please that's beautiful absolutely is that okay? Like, I, I just think that's gorgeous. That's totally. Like, and anyone who wants to follow out. us on Full Mutuality, it yeah. kind of is an extension of that thought process. Yeah. It's what we do together as a couple. We podcast on being fully mutual in all those kind of ways. And oh, that is so interesting. That is so beautiful that they're, I don't know, I guess not these mm-hmm. external standards of righteousness, but mm-hmm. these personalized standards of shared good and 
that's not going to change. And yeah, I mean, it has for each other to change our beliefs and to still have the same values, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. That is a really wonderful marriage of values. That's that's nice. I'm going to be all cliche and stuff, but that's great. I mean, wishing you all the very best. We have yeah. some sneaky stuff in the works that we haven't announced yet. That's yeah. happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Which- hey, we kind of messed around with the record and didn't say goodbye, but that was just such an insightful, fantastic interview. These are questions that people are asking everywhere. I, you know, how could such people do such things how can things be so not as they appear and they're complex questions and there's no answers but i really do believe it's about continuing to ask those questions to kind of say you know who am i going to hold responsible for what and what am i willing to let go and what am i happy with because yeah so difficult looking at big picture stuff and and knowing where to start. Gail and Nate have their own pod and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Please check it out. It's called Full Mutuality, as they told you. It's part of a network of ex-evangelical podcasts called Dauntless. So, you know, as Nate has mentioned, he's got a friend who does one on education in Christian evangelicalism and, you know, there's a range of other hosts. Check them all out. They're all in contact and they're all cross-promoting and the network is growing it's wonderful so full mutuality pod and dauntless is the network as for the little old leaving hill song we've had a lot going on in the company i must say a little bit of a tv appearance on sunrise the breakfast show had one of those on friday and it looks like there's going to be another one tomorrow uh vanity fair has put out an exceptional documentary i was so happy this interview was here for when this this docu-series or whatever they're called arrived uh Nate and Gail and I actually spent quite a few hours talking and we as you know interviewed each other and their interview with me is out already neither of us kind of wanted to attack this kind of really long conversation and I was like oh what are we going to do and then Getting closer to this Secrets of Hillsong Vanity Fair doc, it was like, man, Carl is getting platformed on this trailer that we saw. It was like, oh, no. I've just heard from people who had experienced all of this damage. And then I think watching this documentary, which, you know, frustratingly is not available outside of the US through Hulu at the moment, I'm just absolutely love the things that Nate has to say because it just underpins it make sure you watch it if you can it's it's an incredible piece of film and Nate's just strengthening all of the statements about the power imbalances and the the damage done so thankful to you Nate and Gail super super thankful to you leavers and listeners and believers and friends and and I, I'm just so grateful for the strength and reassurance that your messages and comments and feedback provide. Thank you so, so much for your support. Thanks to my patrons for really standing up for me and uh, supporting this work when I just need it most. You know, you see all this media and stuff and we make it look like a lot of fun, but 
Uh, nobody gets paid in these things because everybody's so offended by the idea of checkbook journalism. So unless you're some kind of super exclusive story, we don't get paid for interviews, most of us, that you will see on the thing. So that's all just smoke and mirrors. Really appreciate all your support in all the ways it comes. It's just thank you, thank you. Stay tuned on social media. Facebook and Insta is about pretty much all I can keep up with and, you know, updates will be there and things seem to be moving pretty quickly. I do think this documentary, The Secrets of Hillsong, will have quite an impact. It's it's pretty hard-hitting. And, of course, I will keep you up to date when, if someone remembers this island on which we are stranded and all the other people who are just aren't in the US and as soon as we can get together and have a little watch together that'll be on socials too look after yourselves there's fun times ahead so you know make kindness your superpower people find it pretty hard to battle against kind and so if you're going to do that you know be kind to yourself it's the way of being to be kind to those around you a little corner of the earth you don't have to you know solve world hunger Help the next person out. So keep leaving Hillsong, and we will talk soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.